0: My name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to this third season of On Brand With. The idea behind this podcast has always been to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences and stories of me and my guests. One of the things I've learned over the years is that we all have a story to tell And over the coming episodes, I'll be chatting to some more people that I know and admire and some that I don't know, and I'll be asking them to share their stories and how they use their personal brands to really make an impact. We'll be exploring what best practice looks like in the real world. So let's begin. My guest today is Juliet Thomas. Now, I've known Juliet through mutual contacts and brief conversations we've had over social media, but this is the first proper conversation we've had. After giving up a corporate career, which I have to say are some rather spooky parallels to my own, she has followed her passion, that of all things creative. She set up the Curious Creative Club, which is an umbrella brand for a number of creative projects. In the conversation, we discuss what creativity and being creative really means and how her work covers everything from creative writing, painting, vision boarding and coaching small creative businesses. and she plans to write a book. I really do think that Juliet might be one of those guests who somehow seems to have more hours in her day than the rest of us. As always I hope you enjoy this conversation and maybe you'll be inspired to try something new. So, Juliet, one of the things that I'm always talking to my clients about when we're talking about personal brand, when we're talking about identity, is a word that sums them up. And there are just two words when I've been, I know, you know, we've sort of known each other and known of each other for a few months now, yeah. probably longer, but we've, it's the first time we've met yeah, properly. Is, so, I've yeah. got lots of questions. <laughs> but there are two words that come to me about you, and one of them's creative, which is, which is no surprise. <laughs> But also there's one around uh, well-being and nurture and, and that sort of self-care as well. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like putting words, but those are the words that come across to me from your brand. And I just yeah. wondered how far from the truth that is.
1: Yeah, I'd say that was right, actually. And the, um, the well-being side has certainly grown. So I think I started off very much focusing on the creativity, knowing that. The well-being effects for me, but having kind of researched it more or written about it more, I've kind of delved even further into that, and you know, it's just become more apparent that that's a massive part of well-being in general, and yeah. that um, that's the one, the thing that I want to share with people. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that was correct.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So something that's become it's your livelihood mm-hmm. as is actually something that you're using to switch off from it as well then because that create well we can talk about what creativity is in a minute (laughs) but somebody um one of my impact club members gave me a beautiful book before Mm. christmas called draw breath don't know if you've seen it and it's 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 like a mix of yoga and breathing but how you use drawing and creativity for a from a well-being point of view yeah
1: yeah um I often explain sort of the way that I see creativity as almost like active meditation so I'm not very good at the traditional kind of meditation I've tried it many times um, but for me it's still about getting into that kind of flow state that kind of singular thought that's distracting you from mm. perhaps other stressful things that are going on and you kind of enter that flow state and it's it's where you lose track of time and you're fully involved in that creative activity so mm. Yeah, that's, that's how it feels for me, definitely. So what puts you in your flow state? Oh gosh, so many things. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely loads of things. I think it always starts generally with a walk. So I walk my dog, Barley, every day in the woods or around the area. And that certainly kind of gets me in the vibe, I'd say. And then my Passion projects for my own sort of creativity are always writing, photography, and art. So, right. um, when I left corporate life, that's kind of the three things that really became a big part of my life. Um, they had been kind of all along, but not mm. as as fully as they did when I finally left corporate land. <laughs>
0: so, so were you?
1: So were you arty at school? Yeah, I did. Um, I did GCSE art. Uh, I look back at the pictures with horror but yes I did. Um, I also did design and technology actually which I find quite funny now because I'm not really that technological um, yeah. but yeah I I always not naturally always at school as well but um, just as a hobby I, I would sketch and doodle all the time I, you know everybody always bought me like sketch pads and coloring pens and okay. things like that and I'd write a lot or make up stories. I was re- saying really good not really really good but in English I loved English I loved Mm. writing and making up stories uh for that so yeah I'd say it was a big part I think that's such a talent isn't it it's really interesting last night we've just been saying
0: about we've got sons similar age Mm -hmm. and uh we were looking last night Oscars um got some poetry part of their gcs english gcse is they've got to annotate and learn about 15 poems and (laughs) he was mortified because all of a sudden paul and i my husband and i started saying oh have you learned about wilfred owen and have you learned about seamus Seamus heaney and uh, we we started and i could see him sort of rolling his eyes but i think there is just something about that creativity And, Mm -hmm. and i was saying to him he wrote a poem when he was about, well, he was still at junior school, so he'd be probably yeah. about eight or nine, and um, and it was all about um, the concentration camps. Oh, wow. and wow. Um, and it was called Pale Angel, and it was this piece that he'd written. Yeah. And it stopped me in my tracks, and mm. I know some of the staff had said, can't believe that somebody of such a young age... Yeah. So what I'm trying to get at is that Even though, and many of us will say we're not creative, and and they say we'll talk about that in a sec, (laughs) but I think you may not be creative when it comes to um, drawing, but his use of language is something that is obviously very much part of who he is.
1: Yeah, I have a very similar thing with my son, so... He uses words that we've never taught him, and we yeah. always find it a bit strange that he uses these big words, but he uses them in the right context. And it's completely different to my daughter. Mm. Um, she often asks him what things mean. Mm. It's really interesting. But from a really young age, Jake always liked stories. He, you know, he did um, write for pleasure at mm. certain points. Not now because he's thirteen; and it's not cool anymore. Yeah. But yeah, he did at some points. And his initials are J E T. So I I used to make up these stories to him um, about Jet, the super fast boy. Wow. And he used to make them up back to me. So we used to have this and now he cringes at it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but you used to love it, Jake. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah.
1: And, you know, looking back, I had that in my childhood. My dad would make up stories yeah. about this character called Ragabobbin that lived in the woods. And I didn't realize till I was kind of, I didn't remember about that till I started doing it with Jake. And I thought, ah, yeah, actually that yeah. happened for me too. So I think there's many different ways that you can be creative and you know this is where the creative question comes in where people judge themselves for not being creative and that's often from you know being told at school as well or Mm. you know just don't bother with that because it's not you and it's such a shame it really kind of breaks my heart and especially at the moment when a lot of the creativity has been taken out of lessons and all those subjects at a young age are being sidelined it's just so annoying because that is when they are You are at your most creative as, as a child and we lose it as we get older. But what I would say is that, you know, there is this misconception that you've got to be an artist or you've got to be mm. a writer and it it's just not true. There's so many different things that you can do and, and that is what I did when I left um, work. I just kind of threw myself into trying lots of different things and I think if you just give yourself permission to experiment and play rather than being perfect first go then you know it just frees you up from that kind of negativity in your head saying you can't do it can't we all learn from
0: that so yeah. um I want to ask you about because we've got some really interesting similarities in our career and I'll mm-hmm. ask you about that in a sec but when I was doing my research for today um I, I found something so, so let's just Set the scene a little bit. (laughs) So you have the Curious Creative Club and the website. And when I was looking on there, and we can talk about that in a minute, how how your different strands come off there. But um, And you'd written a blog about... Um, sketching and about black ink and and getting a fine line pen on white paper Mm -hmm. and that contrast and the impact of that but the thing that I picked up was you'd said about people trying with pencil and having a go Mm -hmm. and then you keep rubbing it out because it's not perfect and, and I've openly said on this podcast, and I say it to my impact club many, many times, mm-hmm. you know, I've had counselling for perfectionism, <laughs> so I really am a recovering perfectionist. Yeah. It's something I have to work on every yeah. single day. And it actually challenged me because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm no great drawer, but I can draw yeah. and I quite enjoy it yeah. when I get into it. So I thought, oh, I might have a go at this Ooh, this weekend. Fabulous. You know? but I, I love that, that idea that you've got to commit to the paper yes. and I think what you've said there about you know gosh we all talk about failure and there's no such thing as failure but we put such
1: high expectations on ourselves yeah. that we don't play do we no and I'm such a believer in just having a go and not being scared of of you know what people think and things like that and a perfect example of this is when I did leave work in that in that year. A Friend of a friend of mine asked me to go along to Shelley Art Group. I think I mentioned that you know quite I like mm-hmm. art, and she was like, "Come along!" And I was like, really? <laughs> I haven't done it since art uh, GCSE." And she was like, "No, no, it's fine." So I went along, unbeknown to me, like mega amazing professional artists in that group. Really. And I literally took, like, a sketch pad and some coloured pens, and I think the first thing <laughs> I did was um, a picture of Barley, my dog. It was horrendous. But the members were so kind, so you kind of did your thing, and then they'd break for a cup of tea. Everybody would walk around and look at each other's, and then you'd carry on. So it's like a two, oh two gosh, hours. Oh, so gosh, does everybody go around and have a look at what yeah, you've done? Yeah, So it's a local group, mm. Um But the great thing about that group is that they do loads of demos, so they invite professional artists in to teach you. So that first session, I'm sat there absolutely cringing, thinking, please don't come on, this is so embarrassing. And they were so kind, you know, they come on and they are like, "Mm." (laughs) like, I can't believe I was, you know, allowed back in. But thankfully it was. And I think purely, you know, many people would have gone home thinking, oh no, that's way too intimidating, what am Mm. I doing? But I just wanted to learn and... Mm. um, I think I was listening to Ali your Ali Hayes podcast mm-hmm. and um, about being curious and wanting mm-hmm. to learn and I think as long as you go in with that approach they're never going to ridicule you or say no. what on earth are you doing they're mm. going to appreciate the fact that you want to learn from them and they you know they they've been doing it like 20 30 years yeah. I was right at the beginning so I could never expect to be at that level but what I can do is really learn from them and say yeah. you know how do you do that how do you do this and they like to share that knowledge
0: Yeah, Um, everybody likes to be seen as the expert and wants to, you know, you've hit on something there. I remember uh, listening to, I can't remember who it was now, I listened to so many podcasts and it was somebody quite high profile have to think who it was (laughs) but he was talking about that approaching everything with curiosity and if you approach with curiosity then you're always learning so nobody can say so he was saying even in a business Mm -hmm. environment if you approach it with curiosity and think that I'm always learning then nobody can ever put you down because you know that you're not perfect and you know that well none of us are perfect are we but you know we're always open to new ways of doing things which I think again goes back to that creative creative piece you know um i talk a lot i have my membership the impact club and we yeah. talk a lot about the ways people can be visible the ways people can show up the way we run our business and so many people have had to be creative mm-hmm. over the pandemic to adjust yeah. their businesses to survive yeah. and certainly That was me being creative, creating an online membership. Yeah. But um, one of my members that I know is one of your uh, Wow Wednesday members. (laughs) We have um, a mutual member, don't we? Yeah, (laughs) she always says, you know, the thought of coming on a podcast, the thought of standing up in front of speaking to people Mm -hmm. would have a running for the hills. Mm. But for me, her creative writing is just incredible. Yeah. And... You know, when you were talking about flow before, I do think it's if you can find those strengths and find that flow and find what you're good at, it can be used in so many different areas of our life.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that that is what I do. So I, what I always try to do with kind of all the strands of within the club, um, and this goes for the member you're talking about as well, is I, I try. To go along the journey with them and be mm. at their side rather than above or below mm. and just say, you know, this is what worked for me or this is where I struggled and this is how you can overcome this mm. or, or to have a go at trying to overcome things. And I think so long as you're willing to learn and be be honest as well, you know, you're saying about, you know, always learning in business and things like that. I think if you're honest and upfront, I think it's when you're trying to be something you're not where you get into trouble and um, I think towards the end of my corporate career I think that's where I was heading mm. I'd, I'd done it for a long time and I was kind of at the point where I was bored of what I was doing mm. and I, I having left and having the, had that space from leaving a corporate career I can totally see now that I, I should have left five years ago really okay um, but it's, it's only when you get that kind of insight isn't it that you then can use it to your advantage so I I guess now I know myself a lot better um, through doing all these different things and just having a go you know looking back I was always creative my childhood was always creative my initial career was always really creative Mm. Um, so it's about getting back to what you love and if you love it it'll show through 100% So
0: let's talk about your career So, so what did you set out to be What were you going to be when you grew up?
1: I was was thinking about this last night. So um, first was a vet, but I wasn't good enough at physics and chemistry. I think second, I wanted to be an occupational therapist and I have no idea where that (laughs) came from. Um, And then I really wanted to be a journalist. And I actually, I went to um, university in Plymouth and did public relations and language studies. And you had a month's placement um, in the work and so I went to IPC magazines in London which right. I absolutely loved uh, all the different magazines in that building and worked in their press office so that really appealed to me however um, I was from a single parent family I was never going to be able to afford to live in in London at that mm-hmm. point so I came back home and applied for various jobs and my career has always been a bit funny in that I've kind of fallen into jobs so i I went to an interview and, and sort of came second in that. But the doctor that was in that interview said, look, you know, the other person had slightly more experience, but would you come and work for me? And that was a Yorkshire Children's Spine charity okay. in Jimmys in Leeds. So that was my first job. Um, and I was given a lot of free range, to be honest, because it was quite a small charity. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with their kind of funding advisor and created loads of events um, and really enjoyed that because I just could kind of play with it as I wanted to
0: it's a hard um world though isn't it the charity yeah well, that's another I, I hadn't picked up on that but I know yeah. we've got some other similarities but I work with the British Heart Foundation mm. and um nothing prepared me for the fact that actually a lot of it is sales
1: yeah yeah I mean we worked with a lot of the families they were a lot of like our big supporters mm. really because um what the what the professor did was a lot of spinal surgeries on children that had scoliosis, so that mm. you know the families were immensely grateful and did a lot of their own fundraising, so it was kind of managing all that and also the press side as well so he'd published certain amounts of research and things and had'd set up the events for that so it was it was a really great first job and mm-hmm. that I was just thrown in and kind of left to it and then i decided to leave there and go to more i suppose traditional kind of public relations role so i went to the what was ntl telecoms in town mm-hmm. uh back then and met my husband there so and some of my oldest friends there and stayed there a couple of years uh but there was a lot lots of rounds of redundancies and i didn't like the fact that i got to know first because i was like the public relations of officer so yeah it was you know It was a bit like, oh, do not like this?
0: Um, Can I just ask you something there, though? Because that's something that I'd always been aware of in any job I've always had. um, I've always been in a position, so either in media, PR, Mm -hmm. um, in event management. Because I've always worked sort of serving other people within the business, I always knew a lot of people Mm. and I knew a lot of what was going on. And that was always a real... I hadn't realised what a huge part of my identity that was, mm. and I'm, I heard you being asked on another podcast on Michelle's wonderful yeah. um, two northern lasses. Yeah. What would you choose um, out of money, time, and reputation? Yeah. I think, or I don't know if it's reputation or recognition. Recognition. I think. Yeah. And and I was, I was fascinated because straight away. I knew mine would be recognition in yeah. that, and I think some of that is because of working in roles mm. like that.
1: You do tend to know a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, and and you you spread across across the companies, aren't you? And responsible for quite a lot of things that go out about that company, so it, it is quite a responsibility actually.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you're looking in PR and media, yeah. you're looking for that recognition, as yeah. well for yeah, the brand.
1: And it was, you know, it was great that we were. In the because, you know, it's one of the biggest companies in Huddersfield at the time. So we did a lot in the community. We did a lot of positive stories and a lot of sponsorship of local projects mm. and things like that. So it was a really good grounding of, um, you know, a decent position within a within a corporate organisation. So then after that, I applied, this is the funniest story. So do you remember when you used to get like all the good media roles advertising the Yorkshire Post? So I went for this job and it didn't say where it was for. It just sounded a really intriguing role, and it just mm. said within the sports industry. It didn't say anything else. Um, so I went along for that interview, and it was for Leeds United Football Club. And I didn't n- really know until just before I went for it. And, and that, are you a sports fan? I was. Well, saying that, I did. I was quite a football fan mm. at that point. Um, yeah, I had been to you know, Huddersfield Town matches and things Mm -hmm. like that. But it was more just the kind of um, difference, I guess, from going from telecoms to a different industry again. And I was just up for the challenge, really. And it was a community relations project role. So it just sounded really exciting. So I met the boss and went through three three rounds of interviews and it was back in the day when S Club 7 had reached for the stars <laughs> out. And no word of a lie, every time before I went for that interview, that song came on the radio. So I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> <laughs> You're manifesting yeah, through S Club 7. Yeah, it was really funny. So I joined there for four years and it was just incredible. We were really high up in the Premier League at the time. We were in the Champions League. We had the biggest Premier League budget for community projects. So as, you'll, as you know from your mm. experience, you had the education side and you had the football and community side. Mm. We had a third pot of that that mm. was for community projects, which not many other clubs had. Mm. So we won a lot of awards. You know, we did some really innovative things with sponsors and Leeds Libraries. The players were really committed to going out into the community, which is not always the case. Mm. yeah and we've got better. Yeah, yeah, definitely mm. better. But, you know, back then there was... They were big names, mm. um, you know, the likes of Rio Ferdinand and mm. Mark Viduca and all all, all mm. that Nigel Martin, all those kind of people. So it was really interesting going out into the community and seeing the impact that they had um, and for good, if yes. you see what I mean. So.
0: I think that's really interesting from a, a personal branding point of view and um I know a lot of people that listen to this will have heard me tell the story and I told it again on Friday about an experience I had with Oscar at Huddersfield Town Mm -hmm. and two of the players interacting with him and him him wandering off and him saying you know that might be the greatest experience of my life and I don't think you can underestimate the power whatever you think about sport and what footballers are paid and you know there's some dreadful stories in the media at the moment yeah. but I do think there are so many great young role models yeah. and so many like Marcus Rashford you know yeah. have harnessed that mm. and are making such a difference for good yeah you know it's really empowering and it has come so far mm. certainly I mean I, I worked in cricket and it was different but even in the time since I was there that social responsibility has become much more part of the role i would say
1: absolutely and at at the time as i I was at leeds it was when alan smith was just coming through and was a really young player but highly thought of local lad and he had such power he he did loads of really good stuff in the community because he he knew the impact that he had and had quite an old head on his shoulders Mm. for his age actually and did a lot of lot of good stuff so that was brilliant But then as per football goes, we went down the league, (laughs) (laughs) the funding got cut, there were several rounds of redundancies, I think I lasted about four actually, I did quite well and then it was a case of, you know, if you want to stay, you're going to have to have a substantial pick and I was like, okay, now's the time to go.
0: (laughs) I enjoy it, but not (laughs) that much.
1: (laughs) exactly, yeah. So then that's when, again, I fell into another industry, which was the financial side and I was... It was a covering a maternity leave position to send out the um, AGM uh, material, which is like the biggest mailing of, of what the mm. Yorkshire Building Society did. So it was taking on that project, which was a complete baptism of fire. I had mm. no clue about finance or anything like that. So And I ended up staying there 11 and a half years. And wow. about I think it was about five or six different marketing roles within that. So things like the branch campaigns, delivering them every six weeks and um working on the agency projects and yeah lot, lots of different things involved in there but all, all good stuff and it kind of fitted in with where I was at um with two young children it, you know it's flex quite flexible working so I worked three days a week mm. towards the end and that worked quite well but then it just came to the point where my husband worked away a lot Our two children do shed loads of activities and just felt guilty on the grandparents being the taxi drivers, really. Mm -hmm. So we had a chat about it and we thought, right, okay, I'll leave and give the go of writing a book a go. And then we got the dog, which is like a third child. So (laughs) that um, took up a lot of my time at the beginning. And then it just kind of evolved from there, really. The first kind of creativity project I did was having got the dog was go out obviously for walks every day and I set up the Instagram account soon mm. by nature and that kind of became my little creative daily focus really mm. and I, you know I've still got that going today and it, it just makes you more aware you know some people say you know taking photos it kind of distances yourself but actually it didn't for me because I was seeking out the unusual and mm. you know not just kind of mindlessly walking so that worked really well for me. I find it... Um you know incredibly
0: I quite often will take photographs I mean Mm. you know you talked about flow before and my flow is definitely when I'm out either running or walking yeah um if I'm having a bad day my husband will say is it time you went for a run in other words (laughs) you're a bit bad tempered (laughs) off you go um so it I don't know it it sort of clears your head clears your mind allows you to focus Mm. but I do think there's been so much and we've all heard so much about well-being and get you know so much research showing how immersing ourselves in nature is so good yeah. for us but i do think so often we don't actually see we're yeah. not intentional when yeah. we're out walking yeah and having a camera or mm. your iphone or whatever
1: just makes you see life through a lens yeah, sort of a does. bit more focused somehow yeah. Yeah, and it's something that I often recommend as a starting point for anybody wanting to get into anything creative because, you know, most of us have got a phone at the very Mm. least to take a a picture Mm. with, so it's easily accessible. And, you know, simple things like I've done challenges before to go out and see what faces you can see in tree barks and things mm, like that and there's mm. three very particular trees in our woods that all look like characters and then oh wow so you can take pictures of those and then create a story out of that so there's mm. so many things you can do with nature and within my art you know I'm always trying new things as well as what I learn at the art club I'll I'll just do random things like last year I collected a load of grasses and I'd print those but then put them in the frame as well and make like 3d pictures and you know they looked really nice <laughs> so I'm always trying new things and nature mm. inspires a lot of that
0: yeah so going back to your uh curious creative club so yeah. you've got this I know I'm gonna say you've <laughs> got the website but I know yeah. it's so much more than that yeah. and, and I don't know if you've ever come across Jonathan Field's work but Jonathan Field talks about it, it's not about a tribe it's about mm. a movement and mm-hmm. I virtually feel that you've created this <laughs> feeling of creativity mm. and this feeling of possibility virtually it virtually yeah. gives people permission and um, through many different things and i know you have your wow wednesdays and you have your uh writing workshops and mm-hmm. and you have your own art that you sell yeah. and and lots of different um well lots of different strings to your bow yeah. so from a branding point of view mm-hmm. How did you cope with that? Has that caused you challenges at times?
1: It has, mainly with my family, who always wanted me to focus on one thing. (laughs) Um, So trying to explain them, but I've found different ways of doing it. And, you know, we're lucky within the Wow Wednesday Accountability Group, we've got some really talented people in there. And there's a new member called Claire, who lives far away, actually, and joins us on Zoom. But she's got um, a business called Five Rubies, and it's about telling your story and doing it succinctly and clearly. And she's helped a lot with the people that have do lots of things to kind of narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think essentially everything that I do plays into that creative potential. I'm trying to encourage people to tap into their creative potential, whether that be through kind of mentoring and coaching with the Wow Wednesday Accountability Group or the I, I run writing clubs now. I obviously sell my art. I'll do workshops for other people so like um, I know you'll have heard of Give a Few Words and mm-hmm. Sharon so I've done things for her in terms of encouraging the people that are writing letters for her project giving them new things to think about on what to write and all that That's kind of thing. That's for people that
0: are lonely. Yeah, isn't it? yeah,
1: so she's got a really good project going and I think what I always wanted to kind of, it goes back to what I wanted to be originally, which was, you know, magazine journalists. I feel like I'm almost creating like a magazine. So, so that collaborates like a yeah. hub of everything yeah. that's on there and it does all tie in together. But I've also, you know, through the beauty of Canva, thank thank mm-hmm. the Lord for Canva, I've I've created like a bit of a diagram where the club's in the middle and with Little things branching off it to mm. show how it all fits together. And I think graphically, sometimes just showing that explains yes. it better than yeah. trying to talk about it. I'm also doing coaching now through Life After Cancer, being um, funded to do that. So that's going to be another element. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second because that's a
0: whole new. So just before we leave that, so virtually you're create curating, aren't Mm -hmm. you? You're like the editor and and pulling it all together. One thing I just want to ask you about because I know this came up. I think it was in an Instagram conversation about your logo because I know a lot of people think the logo is the brand, and I was like, no, No, your brand is your experience. (laughs) And you said about the story behind the logo so tell me about that. So it's a tree isn't
1: it? Yeah there's a tree on there so if you look at my website there's kind of like a background image that's blurred out trees which is a photograph that I've just taken in the woods and then there's the Curious Creative Club writing over the top of that but then to the right of that in a circle is like a little ink drawing of a tree and I've got a card version of this that Mm -hmm. I sell as well and up the side of the bark it says shake the tree and this came from I was look, trying to look at how long ago it was and I think it's 10 years. I told my friend and she couldn't believe it because I went with a friend in Scarborough um, to go to the Gary Barlow, like personal, quite small concert yeah over there. And he had a singer called Nell Bryden, who was a jazz singer from New York, I think, be his support act. And she had this song called Shake the Tree and she basically did quite a big introduction about it how you know throughout life you can stand below the tree and look up and wait for the apple to fall and just wait for life to happen to you or you can actually shake the tree and make the apple fall and that's always stuck in my mind Mm. so it's become a bit bit of a motto uh, for myself and and this friend oh I love that yeah and that's always in the back of my mind you know you, you can wait for these things to come or you can actually just go out and get go for it yourself mm. um mm. so that's very and that come you know that comes across i think in a lot of things that i do and with the wow wednesday group especially
0: yeah that takes me back to what you said before though about the art and the play and yeah. give it a go yeah you know, not be frightened to give it a yeah go. absolutely so you've just hinted at something there um mm-hmm. see so, so life took a bit of a well <laughs> life took a tricky turn for us all a couple
1: of years ago but a particularly tricky turn for yeah. you yeah I think it was
0: November 2019.
1: 2019. Yeah. So it was a weird year anyway Lots of weird little things happened in that year, including including my uh, husband randomly being made redundant, which was not expected. So there was just it's kind of a catalog of little things. And then um, I'd felt a lump on my collarbone in May and Mentioned it to a physiotherapist that I was seeing at the time for a shoulder, skiing shoulder mm-hmm. injury. <laughs> Just been talking um, about skiing. Yeah, we have. We, off, off, yeah, off I won't mind. tell It was on the toboggan. It wasn't actually skiing. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> yes, don't tell but me anything about skiing injuries, please. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mentioned it to my physio and he said, yeah, that's not muscle related. That's, that's a bit odd. Keep an eye on it. And then I promptly forgot because of all these other little weird things that were going on that year. And then after the summer holidays... We'd been away to Mallorca on a family holiday. It was um, my stepbrother's fiftieth, and we'd had a big family holiday. It was really nice. Came back, and then about a week later, I literally woke up one Monday morning and thought that one. I just remembered mm-hmm. it was really weird. So I went to feel it, and it was like double the size. So I was like, okay, that's not normal. So obviously went straight to the doctors. Then on the roller coaster, seven weeks. Uh, to diagnosis and then eventually got diagnosed in November with Hodgkin's lymphoma which was a complete surprise Mm. well it was a surprise it wasn't because I'm a bit weird medically in that I love medical stuff so I'd done all my research I had it all narrowed down I knew exactly what it could be or couldn't be really it was just that it was the the rarer form so you can have either non Hodgkin's or Hodgkin's Mm. Hodgkin's is rarer and you normally get it under the age of 35 or above 60 and I was like in the smallest category. Category. Yeah. There's literally like thirty five women, I think, in the last statistics. It's quite a
0: male thing as well, isn't it? I think not yeah, more
1: ho- more male than yeah. women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but just a complete surprise and you know, there's no real clue as to where it can come from, there's some evidence to suggest that it can be linked to the Epstein-Barr virus, which is glandular fever, which I did have really badly when I was 15. So did I, funny enough, there's yeah. another little... Uh, so, yeah. you know, whether that, but they couldn't mm. prove that, you know, mm. it's it's impossible to prove really at that point. So, as well as the one on my collarbone, I had um, one under my arm and three in my chest that I was oblivious to, obviously. Mm. So then it was straight on the chemo train and when would later. that have
0: been was that before the christmas or yeah
1: two weeks after i got diagnosed mm. i was in fact less i think it was a week on friday after the monday that I'd found out so yeah once they know that's it you're on that train the roller coaster and I, I get
0: the impression and again we, this is the first time we've ever sat and had a conversation yeah. um but i get the impression that you're quite spiritual yes, and yeah. I, how did that challenge your spirituality was your spirituality something that you were able to take
1: comfort in um i th- I, don't, I think i questioned you know well that's unusual out of all the things you know the types of cancers you mm. could get at that age i thought well that's a really odd one to get yeah. and it was really interesting because i have always had this weird fear of cancer but not cancer but the chemo treatment mm. And I found it really odd that I'd had this kind of fear before and now I was here going to have to deal with it. Um, Isn't so that, that funny? Yeah. You
0: know, um, my mum had had
1: breast cancer and I think it was the chemotherapy that yeah. was by far... The more terrifying thing because yeah. you just don't know how that's going to affect you at all. You just don't have a clue and you, at that point you are in the hands of the doctors and you've just got to trust in them and, mm. and go for it. But um It was really interesting how friends and family reacted. So I was quite calm by this point because I'd done so much research and I am, like I say, a bit odd like that. um But I'd rather be prepared and know what I'm going into. So I kind of knew everything. And in fact, my chemo nurse was like, I don't even have to go through this booklet <laughs> with you. You know everything. So that was quite funny. But um yeah, the reactions of everybody else, I was more fearful of that, I think, like mm. having to tell my mum and. You know, I remember one friend who definitely calls a spade a spade was like, well, are you scared that you're going to die? And I was like, no. (laughs) And she was like, well, why? I'd be terrified. And I'm like, no. So that hasn't even crossed my mind because I trust in what the doctors are saying. I know it's Mm. not a late stage. Mm. I know it's recoverable from. I'm not even, what's the point of even thinking like that? So it was, yeah, it was very interesting, some of the reactions.
0: So that's quite a pragmatic approach, isn't it? And and yeah. do you have
1: that sort of approach with life anyway? I think I do, yeah. I think unless there's something to really worry about, what's the point of doing that? Because it's just wasted energy. Mm. Um, and you just drive yourself mad, don't you? So I just, I kind of, am a person that will deal with what I've got in front of me at, at that time and just kind of try and run with it, yeah. So how was lockdown for you then? <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> I suppose um, there's some,
0: and this is going to sound... Again, I feel inappropriate saying it, but Not in all. some ways, the fact that we had to yeah. be in
1: lockdown, I mean... meant that I wasn't so alone in yeah. the journey that I was on. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I found the hard, one of the hardest parts about treatment was um, being put in lockdown, because you don't mm. think you're going to... I never had a clue about that. You know, I was naive, I thought. And then when I actually thought about it, yeah, you don't really see many people out and about that, you know are recognisable through having chemo or whatever. Mm. You don't. And it's because they're not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. So I was more annoyed about that than anything. And then, obviously, I found it really interesting when we got to March and everybody was like, well, I can't go to the hairdressers or I can't go out. And I was like, hello, (laughs) (laughs) welcome to my world. So, yeah, that was um, quite funny. What was really hard. Um, I mean, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that is fearful of the treatment or got upset in treatment or anything like that. So I, I felt fine to go by myself, but I, mm. I could imagine, especially for the older ones, I used to feel, I was like one of the youngest ones there having treatment quite often. And I'd really feel for the older ones that had literally been brought from the nursing home, had mm. nobody with them or anything mm. like that. I, I thought that was so sad. And I felt really sorry for the nurses. You could see the pressure they were under. It was, that was really tough to see them upset. Um, but what was hard, the hardest part for me, was getting to the end of treatment in May, but then still not being allowed out. So we were, because we were classed as extremely vulnerable, we were still allowed out till August. Mm. But I did beg my consultant and said, look, I I can't just stay in. I live in the country. Can I walk up the lane every night just for 20 minutes? And he was Mm. like, as long as you treat everything as if it's painted in pink, then yes, you can. Mm. So that's what I did at like dusk. I'd just go for a 20-minute walk up the lane, spot as many nature things as I could, take loads of photos, come back, and and that really helped.
0: And the other thing that you have have talked about, and again, I can see some parallels in my own life, is is that you've talked about how your career has been a series of opportunities yeah, in some ways definitely. and um it was interesting I was talking to some lawyers last week about you know have a plan and mm. and do this and do that and and that's what we encourage Oscar to do yeah but actually my life wasn't that and I no. didn't have a plan and yeah. it has been a, a series of mm-hmm. there is a path to it yeah, and a yeah. theme to it um but even but one thing I think that I've always done is spot the opportunities. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And if something presents itself, mm-hmm. I'm open my, curious enough, yeah. I think to use your word yeah. to follow those up. And so even during that, um I noticed that you'd done a lot of um Instagram lives yeah. and connected with Psychologies yeah. magazine and yeah. Susie Walker.
1: Yeah, so like you say, you know, I'm I'm one to spot opportunities as well. And although going through treatment was hard it was grueling it was every two weeks and for the first week I'd feel rubbish but the second week I kind of come back alive so I kept to writing the blog Mm -hmm. and um anything else I could do and it was the summer where it was really nice wasn't Mm -hmm. it so I was often out in the garden just doing a bit of sketching or something so that kept me going but also at that point I was you know promoting the blog a lot on different Facebook groups and things like that I've been a subscriber to psychology's magazines forever uh, love that magazine. So I'd pop it on the psychology's Facebook group. And one day, Susie Walker, the editor, read it and contacted me and said, would you be willing to do a um, Facebook live interview? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. And she was like, next week? I was like, all right, okay, next week's fine. And then she literally rang me the next day and went, my one tomorrow's canceled, can you do it tomorrow? And I was like, right, okay. Um, and having worked in the press, you know how yes, it works, don't absolutely. you? And it's like, take it yeah, now because absolutely. you might not get that second but chance. But what was really scary, you know, I did have, at one point I was thinking, can I do this? I actually look the worst I've ever looked in my life. Well, you know, can I, I do it? I ask
0: you about that. Because one of the things, again, that I talk about with clients is this being Mm-hmm. and people I don't like what I look like yeah. I don't like how I look on yeah. video and I thought you did that yeah, at your lowest point yeah. and did that give you virtually more permission to do yeah. it
1: and that's how I looked at it it was like it almost stripped away that you know you've got to dress up or look nice because it wasn't about that and I just had a word with myself and I was like you know this is something you've been wanting to do for ages you've been wanting to chat to Susie Walker for <laughs> ages you'd be an absolute numpty if you didn't do this right now so that's what I did and um, it you know it was a really nice chat she's a lovely woman and she'd gone to college in Barnsley so we had quite a few weird things in common mm-hmm. so we had a really mm-hmm. nice chat and then afterwards she contacted me and said I think there's something here I think I think we need to continue like this conversation so I was like okay I think what is she thinking um and she eventually said you know would you do a series of like Instagram lives for us so that's what I did like I think it was every week at first and then we we stretch it to every, you know once a month because mm. what she did which was really good actually from a psychologist's point of view at that point they were in lockdown as well and she lived on a houseboat in in London. She
0: didn't. She yes, So she yeah. used to do these lives yeah. like
1: every day mm. from a houseboat. She really turned it around, um, which was great for like all the readers and viewers that, you know, were going through it all. So she had a lot of these kind of perceived experts on there doing things on Instagram Live. So she'd have like Mary Fenwick, who was the advice lady, uh, Pete Cohen, who was a coach, you know, ver- various different people on there. And then me on there doing my little creative thing but as scary as that was I had notes and notes in front of me and you know I'm quite used to the Instagram platform so that didn't fit fa- phase me too much but I just wanted to make sure it had impact really but the first one I did was um I thought yeah I'm onto something here because I got so much feedback from people that had done the challenge that I'd asked them to do and it was about trees it, you know it wasn't anything really complicated or hard and this lady had been up all the night with a premature newborn had seen my life and had handed the baby to her husband gone off and written the most amazing poem and sent wow. it to me and said this hour made my night because I was having a shocker <laughs> you know so when you get things like that it's like oh wow you know that's so nice that impact
0: that yeah and again you know I'm always saying to people you never know the impact that something you post yeah will have on other people and and I've done it myself you know we've all had those moments where you're scrolling through and you just see something that you need to see in that moment that inspires you and um and I can remember you know in a in a similar way, sharing short videos at the beginning of lockdown. Mm. Yeah, I and remember people yeah, yeah, the on-brand bite yeah. size, and people saying, "I look forward to them because it gives me some structure yeah. to my day." Yeah, and I think what you're doing there mm. is it, it's giving people something, some yeah, uh, some structure yeah. for people to look forward to, yeah. isn't
1: it? And like I say, you know, I was I I did it very kind of raw and vulnerable. I was there in my headscarf. You know, I'd explained right. to people at the beginning. Oh, by the way, I don't look anything like the photo that they're selling this on, this is why. Mm. And, you know, I'd have a bit of humour and banter about it and and that's where I talk about, you know, meeting people where they are and being relatable and on, on the same page as them because then they feel more like they, they can do it too.
0: They're heard, aren't they? Sorry, well, is that... They can... can be heard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah.
1: it felt very much, you know, I'm alongside with you, let's do this together, mm. let's do something creative mm. while we're in this ridiculous situation and not watch the news. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it was about really. So I really enjoyed doing that and I I kind of challenged myself to do it. You know, it was a bit like, come on, let's see if we can do this for a laugh. And it paid off. It worked out okay. And then and that's been my kind of attitude since really. So last year, you know, there's been a lot of collaborative chats with people that are in similar spaces to what I do. So like Danny Mm -hmm. from Good Footing, he's one that I've been speaking to Um, and there's Rachel from the creative map so there's there's lots of pockets of these people around doing similar things and I think if you can collaborate and kind of share that message it's Mm. it's really good it becomes like you say a bit of a movement then a bit of a well-being movement and I think that's what I'm you know trying to do and this is where it's kind of now led on to the coaching so yes and that's that was an opportunity and a half and that that is where I think was the cancer journey for a reason I know that sounds a bit woo and a bit bizarre but I wouldn't have necessarily taken done that if that hadn't been the case so Steph who set up life after cancer it's a community investment company and there's not many facilities out there for after the cancer journey so you're kind of released into the world see you later have a good time and everybody's like whoa what just happened I've heard that from so many people yeah and she she Got a stat actually that's ninety-two percent of people find it harder after the cancer Mm -hmm. treatment's finished. So she's brilliant, and she had the same cancer as me actually. And she does peer support groups in a six-week program, which I did, and have done some creative workshops for her as well for for the members of this. And then she got some lottery funding to kind of extend this journey further so that she can train people up to deliver the program so that she can then go out and get more f- you know, funding and do the higher-level things. So myself and another lady are currently training with Norworks um, Coaching Company mm-hmm. to kind of go through this six-month program, and then we'll volunteer our time back. So it was a win-win for me because I didn't have to find you know, a big chunk of money to spend on coaching training. Mm-hmm. But also how brilliant that I can give something back to that cancer community. So yeah, it's really worked out, and I love the training. Start, and are you learning about yourself through the absolutely? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. we practice on each other. So somebody has to be the client, and you do a lot of these exercises. And yeah, I feel like uh, by the end of it, I was like, I feel like I've been to therapy for two days. But it's so interesting what you learn about yourself in in that environment. It's brilliant. Love it. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> So just another collaboration that um, I noticed, which um, I I wasn't aware of, actually, and I'm I'm local, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, sort of seek it out, is I know that you've you do a lot of work with Unity Yard in Home yes, First. Yes, yeah. And I hadn't realised where it was and I'd heard of it. Yeah. So I was looking it up last night. So I will go because you're promising me it's good amazing. coffee. So yeah. um, I'll go and have a look. But so I suppose my, my final thought is that mm-hmm. I know that you've got a... Um, actually, by the time this goes out, you will have had it. But mm-hmm. um, you've got a vision board workshop, workshop yeah. Um, yeah. At, at Weekend. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered... So you know you've talked about your career, your life, and how it's mm. taken this path. Yeah. What's on What's on Juliet's vision board for this oh, year? Oh, so
1: many things. So we did this in the coaching. Actually, I was used as a guinea pig, and one of the questions is, you know, what is your kind of wild dream? So I said it, and then the next question is, and what is bigger than or better than that? And then wow. I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Okay. So. I think for me, I'll never stop learning. I'll never stop looking for new opportunities. It's it's a blessing and a curse that I have. I wake up in the middle of the night at 4 o'clock with a billion ideas and I really have to rein myself in or just write them down for another time. So I'm always looking at what more can I do, what can I, how can I challenge myself. One thing that I haven't spoken about, we did a collaboration last year as a tester for the WOW group. Um, I did it with Miriam from Miriam's Kitchen Table and she Mm -hmm. used to have Miriam's coffee shop in Kurt Burton and she's a WOW member and we pulled together this event called Shift Happens Mm -hmm. last year and that was all about kind of delivering a creative well-being experience day that had really nice food and nutrition and, and different elements to it and it went down really well. I think you had Wendy who's been a guest yes, on here. Yes, yeah, Wendy, Wendy's a WoW member as well. Yes, so yeah. she's uh yeah, she's brilliant, isn't she? So that was really good. Really enjoyed doing that. And, you know, it it's interesting, isn't it, when you find people that you know you can just work really well with and Miriam's one of those people, as is Claire, who I run the WoW group with. And I think once once you find those people that have got the same dream and vision in you, it's really easy. it's, yeah, it's, it's shared not, values yeah, it's and not you hard. trust. it's not hard. It's just the, always the problem I have is just lack of time. I just, mm. the kids are 13 and 15, you know, going through exams and all the rest of it. And like I said, do loads of activities. So I have to be really flexible about how I work. And if I just could duplicate myself, it'd be great, <laughs> but I can't. In, in the long term... I'd really love a, a space in home myself as well. So to have like a kind of gift shop, cafe bar and a workshop space above would be the ultimate so that other people like, you know, say Danny or Sharon can hire out that space for workshops that they want to do as well, mm. as well as what I would do. So that that's on the long-term plan and I'm t- talking to my friend quite a lot about that now and again. Well, that's <laughs> so, really yeah. exciting. Yeah. And obviously the coaching. So the coaching will hopefully launch this year as well. So as well as volunteering my time back to life after cancer, it means that I'm certified to myself as well. So, so that coach people yeah, through the... Yeah, on a more one-to-one level. Ones. So that's that's definitely a big part of this year and moving house. That's the other thing.
0: Yeah, just so Small there's not much going on. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. I think, you know, we could carry on chatting. There are so many... Yeah. So many different areas that, Mm -hmm. you know, we have these parallels, certainly. Um, But for me, I think there's another word that I want to add, Mm -hmm. and that's catalyst. You seem to make things happen, whether that's for yourself or for other people.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's what I try to be. And I think, you know, before the cancer journey, I was very much love of life. And life is what, you know, life is very short. Do with it what you can while you're here. And even more so now so you know I really try to help other people live the life that they want to do and and go for it and not be held back by fear or perfectionism and all, all those words that we love to use it it you know it really isn't a rehearsal we've just got to go for it.
0: Absolutely I mean you knew Mandy yes. um, and uh, Mandy's been on my shoulder yeah. many many times yeah. over the last a uh, few weeks and mm-hmm. Paul Dodd that was on here talked about this as well. Yeah. And you know, I think we all need to shake the tree a bit more, don't Absolutely,
1: we? Absolutely. I agree and yeah, Mandy was amazing and a true inspiration. I only got to know her um very recently but instantly connected with her as many did and um yeah, she's definitely on my shoulder too and it's it's a privilege to kind of have known her but also be one of the people that's going to try and have that mindset and really, you know, really encourage people to fulfill their potential and thrive in life at the end of the day. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Certainly is. Thanks, Juliet.
0: hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well the best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at do impact if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership the impact club please visit the website at deborahogden.com enjoyed this episode of on brand with i would so appreciate it if you would rate review and subscribe to help other people know we exist thanks for tuning in and i'll see you on the next episode thanks for listening to on brand with
1: it was hosted by deborah ogden and produced by me anthony short this has been a short stories production